0: This morning, we're going to keep going in our study of John, and we've been looking at the seven I am's of Jesus and answering the question, who does Jesus think he is? Well, this week, we're going to look at Jesus and his statement in John chapter 14, where Jesus says, I am the way, the truth and the life. And so I'm going to ask you to turn in your Bibles to John 14, and I'm going to read the first uh, six verses Um, And then I'll pray, and then we'll jump into this passage and give it our full attention. we should, because this is God's Word. It's inspired, inerrant, infallible. It's our only rule for faith and practice. Do not let your heart be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. In my Father's house are many dwelling places. If it were not so, I would have told you, for I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself, that where I am, there you may be also. And you know the way where I'm going. Thomas said to him, Lord, we don't know where you are going. How do we know the way? Jesus said to him, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. The grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of the Lord endures forever. Let's pray. Father, thank you for... So many good things to celebrate today. Thank you for Gordon and Sue and a life well lived, following after you for many, many, many years of marriage together. Thank you. So much to be thankful for and the Gaffneys becoming a part of this body and seeing their boys baptized. Thank you. So much to be thankful for air in our lungs and our homes and our lives and our family and our friends. Thank you. So much to be thankful for in you, Jesus. This morning, I pray that you'd open our hearts to the reality of who you are. So that in knowing you. We might know the way the truth, and the life. I pray in your name. Amen. So uh, this picture behind me is Mount Rushmore. um, And Mount Rushmore was constructed 90%. 90, Get this. This is amazing. 90% of the construction of Mount Rushmore was done using TNT. Dynamite. 90% of the construction, 800 million pounds of uh, rock were taken off of the mountain in order to construct those four figures. Now, I have an offer for you. If every single one of you would grab a connecting card and without using your phone, if you would write down the name of the four presidents, um, they don't have to be in any particular order, but if you can write down the name of the four presidents without using your phone and leave that card in the boxes in the back of the auditorium on your out, we'll have a drawing next week and we'll give away a special prize to the person who knows the names of all four of those presidents. Now here's the caveat, you must be present to win and, um, so there you go. Good luck. Can't, don't use your phone. Now, I'll give you one, George Washington, 6,000 6, pounds of TNT were used to, just to create his uh, bust on the side of the mountain there at Mount, at Mount Rushmore, just George Washington's face alone. Now, what if there was something, what if there was something powerful enough to break through Our hard hearts what if there was something powerful enough to break through all the difficulties of the circumstances that we think we're facing what if there was something powerful enough to break through the stoneness in our ears and our hearts and make Jesus real to us and there is it's called the gospel the good news And Romans 1, verse 16 says, I'm not ashamed of the gospel because it's the power of God for salvation to all who believe, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. But the Bible says the gospel is dynamite. That's what power means. It's the Greek word dunamis, from which we get the word in our language dynamite. That the gospel is TNT to break open hard hearts and deaf ears and give us an awareness of the greatness and glory of Jesus. And that's what we've been learning as we've been walking through these I Am statements of Jesus. We've been learning just who Jesus says he is. What we've learned is that Jesus says he is God who's come to seek and to save that which was lost. And Jesus, being fully God and fully man, is the only one qualified to seek and to save and to bring us back into a forever relationship with God. And so for us this morning, we have to ask ourselves, has the gospel broken through? Has the good news of Jesus Christ broken through our hard hearts and our deaf ears and our slow to believe minds? Or are we still living? Are we still living the self-directed life? Because there's only two ways to live. You can live the self-directed life. And if you live the self-directed life, you will be making decisions about all your decisions and actions. You'll be be running the show. For the past several hundred years in our our culture, there was one attempt to try and live the self-directed life, and that was the self-directed life of the Enlightenment that tried to use human reason alone to make decisions and actions. Human reason alone. And more recently in our culture, it's become more and more popular in our culture, in a post-truth culture, as it's called, to try and make decisions and take actions based on feelings. And Jesus Christ comes and he says, I'm the way, the truth and the life and he invites us like tnt like dynamite to have our lives blown open by his love and his grace so that we'd be enabled not to live the self-directed life but the christ-directed life the christ-directed life is to trust him to direct all our decisions and all of our actions to enthrone the living christ on the throne of our hearts and to say yes Lord, you are the way, you are the truth, you are the life. To believe that all the scripture says about Jesus makes him uniquely the way, the truth, and the life. That all of his statements about himself, who does Jesus think he is? Jesus thinks he's the bread of life. He's the one thing that you need in your life to give it a purpose, a meaning, a joy. He'll satisfy the deepest hungers and longings of your heart. He's the bread of life. Jesus is the light of the world. He's the one thing that can direct your actions and decisions because he can show you the light for your path. Jesus is the resurrection and the life. At one time we were dead, but now we've been made alive to follow him. Jesus is the great I am, fully God and fully man. and He alone is qualified to be the way, the truth, and the life. Now... We're going to walk through this passage, verses 1 through 6, and what I want us to learn this morning is that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the light, and the life. And to understand that more clearly, to see that more clearly, I want us to see in this passage the problem, I want us to see the promise, and I want us to see the path. So let's, let's jump in Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. Therefore, Jesus is able to solve the deepest problem of our heart. And that is troubles. Look at verse 1. Do not let your heart be troubled. That Greek word trouble is the word terrasso, And it means to, to roil, to stir up like a sea so recently we we've had two hurricanes this summer that have come through florida and you saw the pictures of the ocean waves crashing onto the shore at at the beach washing out homes washing out roads the ocean waves were terraced by the hurricane winds and the force of the storm They were roiled up. That's a picture of our hearts. Every single one of us, the problem that we all face is that we have troubled hearts. Maybe you don't believe me. Maybe I'm the only one. But, you know, we all face trouble. So let me illustrate it from my own life. Many years ago, when I was a young person... I was raised by my grandparents and they raised me, they gave me an incredible gift to allow me to move into their home. They raised me as a son. They blessed me with so many, many, many good things. And I was a real pain. And in a moment of frustration, my grandmother said to me, David. Why can't you be more like Chris Nornberg? So, Chris Nornberg was a, a young man my same age. He grew up in the same neighborhood as me. We went to school together, and Chris Nornberg was handsome. He was popular. He did good in school. Did I mention he was handsome? Chris Nornberg was amazing. Why can't you be more like Chris Normberg? Trouble. Trouble came to my heart that day. And I, from that day on, my whole life, I have struggled with obsessive comparison disorder. I've never quite been sure if I quite measure up trouble. Am I the only one? What is it for you? What is it for you that that is the problem of your heart, those storm-tossed seas of your heart that cause your heart to overflow with wave after wave after wave crashing? Maybe for you it's not obsessive comparison disorder. Maybe it's a fear of future failure. Maybe for you, it's, it's, it's a past failure that you're terrified that if anyone in this room knew that one thing that you've done in your past, you are terrified that you'd be found out. Maybe for you, it, it's an inordinate desire for, for success, for the next accomplishment, the next trophy. You understand the problem, right? We have troubled hearts. and Jesus comes and he says, Do not let your hearts be troubled. And he invites us to not live a heart with hearts troubled, but hearts at rest through trust in him. Did you hear his invitation? Believe in God believe also in me. So the problem for each of us is this, that we have hearts that are filled with trouble, tossed by the storms of life, but Jesus comes and he says, set aside the trouble and trust in me. And to enable us to understand more of what he means by that invitation to trust in him, he makes an amazing promise in this passage. We've looked at the problem. Now let's look at the promise. In my Father's house are many dwelling places. If it were not so, I would have told you, for I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself that where I am There you may be also, and you know the way where I am going. The promise that Jesus offers in this passage is two things, a person and a place. A person and a place. You and I were made to trust in a person and a place. Christianity Christianity doesn't offer us a better reason, a better set of truths. Christianity doesn't offer us deeper feelings and a greater experience. Now, Christianity is deeply reasonable, and Christianity is deeply satisfying to the human heart. But first and foremost, Christianity offers us a person a personal relationship with the infinite God who made you for himself and desires to know you inside and out and to forgive you all of your sins through Jesus. You were made uniquely for a person and a place. That's where the one story of the Bible starts. It starts with a person and a place that God, Because of his great love, created the heavens and the earth. And on the last day of his creation, he made man unique in his own image. And placed man in a garden to tend it and cultivate it with God's presence to guide him. God made us for a person and a place. And it was good. But in the next chapter of the Bible something went horribly wrong. The image bearers that God had made for himself turned their back on their creator, and they thought it was, why it was better to do life on their own, to go their own way. And from those first people, Adam and Eve, on, every single one of us, lost the person and the place. And the biggest trouble of our hearts, everything in our hearts is a longing to pursue something other than Jesus for our person and our place. That's what it is to, to be a fallen creature. And yet there is something in all of us that longs for that person and longs for that place. And so Jesus Christ, because of his great love, came To restore for us the person and the place. In my Father's house are many dwelling places, and I go to prepare a place for you. The good news of the gospel, the power of God, is that Jesus Christ has done it for you religion is man trying to make a place for himself and christianity grace the gospel is jesus preparing a place for us that's what he came to accomplish he came to make a place for you and for me in his eternal dwelling place in the last chapter of the bible he says, I will come again and receive you to myself, that where I am, there you may be also. Now, we have the person, Jesus Christ, but we don't yet have the place. Oh, but Jesus will come again, and when he does, he will bring heaven with him, and he will establish on, this, on a new earth a place for us to dwell with him forever and we'll have the person and the place we were made for. You don't want to miss it. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. He's the way to a person, a personal relationship with the God who made you for himself. He's the way to the place. The perfect place where God himself will dwell forever. That's the promise. That's the promise that Jesus makes in this passage. A person and a place for all of eternity. Now what's the path? The path is Jesus. Verse 5, Thomas said to him, Lord, we don't know where you're going. So how do we know the way? Now, ladies, you know this. This is a miracle. This is every bit of miracle as any one of Jesus' miracles. You know what it is, right? A man asked for directions. (laughs) What is happening? Thomas says, we don't know the way. That is a miracle. Has that miracle happened for you? Has the Holy Spirit moved into your heart and and given you the ability to realize I'm living the self-directed life? I don't know the way. And given you the ability to see the path who is a person, Jesus Christ. Jesus said to him, I am the way and the truth and the life no one comes to the Father but through me. The path to the person and place is Jesus alone. Now, for those of you who struggle with the idea there, there could be just one way to God, let me ask you a question. Imagine, imagine that you were uh, at the corner of uh, International Golf and um, U.S. 1. And there's a sign at the, at the d- corner that says, One Way. And it's pointing to keep people from moving and turning into the traffic moving on U.S. 1 at 65 miles an hour. And someone comes along and they take away the one-way sign that cautions people, don't turn into traffic, don't turn into traffic. You may be tempted. You may be tempted to take away the one-way sign from Christianity because you find it offensive that there could be only one way to God. But could I just ask you to consider the traffic Consider the danger coming your way if you remove the one-way sign. Consider that there might be a reason that a a holy and wise God would put up a one-way sign. And consider that the reason could be that the reason there's a one-way sign is because there's only one person qualified to do for us what we couldn't do for ourselves. I already told you that our first parents, Adam and Eve, turned aside. They went their own way. And what we deserve for their rebellion is to continue in our place of being separated from God. Jesus Christ, being fully God and fully man, is able to do for us what Adam failed to do for us. Adam failed to obey God. Jesus comes as the second Adam, the second representative of God's people, and he obeys perfectly for us what God requires. He's the only one qualified, and that's why there can be only one way. Because only Jesus is fully God and fully man. He can do for man what man can't do for himself. And Jesus is fully God. So his death on the cross can be a sufficient payment to make, to satisfy an infinite debt that we owe because of our disobedience and sin. Only Jesus is qualified to be the one way. In his obedience for us as a man, in his sacrifice for us, he pays once and for all the infinite price that our sins deserve and makes it possible for us to be brought back into the person and the place. A loving relationship with our Heavenly Father. And he says our part, our part is to believe. Our part is to trust in him. Do not let your heart be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. That we transferred our trust from the self-directed life to the Christ-directed life. That we repent, we turn from our sin, and we believe. We believe in Jesus as the way. The one uniquely qualified to bring us back to God. Have you? And if you haven't, won't you? Won't you turn from the self-directed life to the Christ-directed life? And if you have, if you have, has a J-bomb gone off in your heart? Has the TNT of the gospel exploded in your heart to give you joy and peace and an experience of the love of the Father? Are you blown away that Jesus Christ is for you the way, the truth, and the life? Has the J-bomb gone off in your heart, the TNT of the gospel, has it blown away all the troubles that plague your heart and presented to you an alternative to the stories that you're telling yourself again and again and again. Why can't you be like, do more, be better? Maybe today could be the day that the gospel could go off in your heart as the ultimate J-bomb. J stands for Jesus, by the way. The ultimate J-bomb of Jesus Christ exploding in our hearts to give us supernatural love and joy through the forgiveness that He alone can offer as the way, the truth, and the life. And if you do know Him, if you do know him, maybe the J-bomb could start being dropped by you in the lives of the people around you. Maybe your responsibility where you live and you work and your play is to go around dropping J-bombs, dropping the Jesus bomb in the lives of people so that their hearts could explode and the image of God that they were created to image could be restored Through the gospel. How could that happen? Well, of course it starts by having the J-bomb go off in our life. But how would you begin to drop J-bombs in the lives of people around you? Well, it would start, I think, by maybe just beginning to let people know that your relationship with Jesus Christ is Very, very important to you. Let people know that Jesus is real in your life, that Jesus is important to you, and a relationship with him is important in your life. Begin to let people know. And then, as you have opportunity, share with them. Share with them the j bomb. The bad news of the gospel, that we've all sinned and come short of the glory of God. The good news, the J-bomb of the good news of the gospel, that God demonstrates his own love for us in this, that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. And give them the invitation to respond to that amazing bomb of grace and to receive him. To as many as received him, to them he gave the right to be called sons of God. Our culture is longing for someone to tell it about Jesus. Oh, may his church be the church that goes out to drop J-bombs everywhere we go. You know, a few years ago, this was many years ago, I, don't, I wasn't there, okay? Just that's a caveat to this story, last story. At Eckerd College over in St. Petersburg many, many, many years ago, a group of students wanted to protest the war in Vietnam. And so they dug huge holes all over the campus. And by every hole, they put a sign that said, If your house was in Southeast Asia, this is what your yard would look like. What if, because of the way we live our lives, showing that our relationship with Jesus is real and important to us, we started leaving holes. Holes of grace. Holes not to destroy, but to restore. Holds not to explode people's lives, but to help people's lives come back to the one that they were created for? What if, by the way we live our lives, we started dropping J-bombs everywhere we went? We started gossiping the gospel and dropping Jesus into our conversations. What if, what if, rather than letting our culture continue to turn into traffic, we brought back the one-way sign. And we said, I know one who is the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through Him. He said, oh, that's so narrow. But you know the promise, right? If it's true that there's only one way to the Father, the opposite is also true. It's as sure as the sun rising that if there is only one who is the way to the Father, then if we put our trust in that one, He will bring us all the way back to the Father, the person and the place. We were made for. Let's pray. Jesus, in you is life. I pray that you would set off a J-bomb in every heart in this room. And anyone listening online. And that if there's any here who have never put their trust in you. They've never had the J-bomb go off in their hearts. That you would work by your Holy Spirit this morning and set off the J-bomb that they would say to you Jesus I admit that I've sinned against you in many ways and I'm sorry Jesus I believe you lived the life I should have lived you died the death I deserve to die you rose again Jesus, come into my life as Savior and Lord. Help me become the person you want me to be. Jesus, for every troubled heart here, I pray that you would help them to see you as the object worthy of the way, the truth, and the life. the one through whom anyone who puts their trust in you will find their way back into the loving arms of our Heavenly Father. We thank you for that promise. We pray in your name, Jesus. Amen. Y'all stand. Let me send you out with a blessing from God's word. Now may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, and the love of God the Father, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Go in grace, have a great week, and a happy thanksgiving.